We're including Easter in an already existing series uh, of messages. We started last week called Made for More. I believe you were made for more. You're really not supposed to do that. Easter's supposed to be its own message or start of a series, but you're gonna understand in a minute why this message absolutely fits on this day. Uh, because in this series, we've been talking about the four core promises that God made to mankind. God has made thousands of promises, but there are four big ones that God has always wanted to do in people's lives. He first revealed them in Exodus uh, during the Moses story. Do you remember how Moses delivered the Israelites out of Egypt? Whenever they came out, they celebrated these promises every year in an event called Passover. That's what Jewish people call it. Uh, the Christian version of that would be Easter. It's where we just celebrate and remember the promises of God, why God came, what he wants to do in our lives. But during Passover, Jewish people talk about these four promises read the passage of scripture where they're found and celebrate it with a cup of wine with each statement. Now these promises are over 3,500 years old. Uh, the original promises of God for 3,500 years, God has wanted to do these things in people's lives. They're found in the Old and New Testaments. They're found in the Great Commission of Jesus. They're found throughout the book of Acts. But I wanna show you their first mention today in Exodus 6, beginning in verse six. It says this, Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. And then Moses mentions four things that God wants to do in your life, that God wants to do in my life. He's been wanting to do since this time, since the foundation of time. They're called the four I will statements. That's what the Jewish people call them. And you need to know these. And the reason you need to know these is because you're on a spiritual journey. Say, no, I'm not, Pastor Reed, I'm not. Yes, you are, because you have a spirit. You can't get away from that spirit. And because you can't get away from that spirit, that spirit's in you. And all of us have this longing for God somewhere within us, even if you're resisting it. And the first thing God wants to do with you, through you on that journey, is bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So he's not interested in you praying. He's not interested in you going to church. He's not interested in you being holy. He's not interested in you being nice to other people. Those are great things, but that's not the first thing. The first thing that God wants to do is he says, I want to get you out of the current condition you're in. And the current condition is you're under a yoke. You're under something heavy. You're under a bondage of slavery. And for them, it was literal slavery to the Egyptians. He goes on to say, the second thing I want you to do after I get you out and it's important that we note that this is after he gets us out. So it's, it's, it's not before. A lot of us think, well, I gotta clean myself up before I get to God. No, 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 that's not how it works. And I think churches, unfortunately, have given this idea you gotta put on the suit and get your life right, and then you come to God. It's the other way around. You come to God to clean yourself up. So you don't go to God after you've cleaned yourself up. We don't need God at that point. We go to God to clean ourselves up. God wants you in first. We want you in first. You come in just like you are. But then after he brings you out of the current bondage you're in, he says, I will free you from being slaves to them. I will free you. Wait a minute. Didn't he just do that? Didn't he just free us? I thought he already did that. I thought he already got us out of slavery. No, no, no. He got us out of Egypt, but they still had a heart of slavery. So the Christian version of that would be, they're going to heaven, they're Christian, but they've still got issues. Right? Attitudes, anger, habits, uh, relationship problems, sin. They've got junk in their life. And he goes, I've saved you. You're going to heaven, but I want to get all the junk out of your life as well. And then he says, don't just stay there. Scores of Christians just stay there. 
They're perpetually stuck trying to work on themselves. And God says, no, 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 you were made for more. You were made for more. In fact, studies show that 87% of Christians never get to the third promise. That's a tragedy, church. They never get all that God has for them. And the third promise is that I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Redeem means to put back to its original intent. In other words, you know why you're on the planet. You know why you exist. And for scores of people, even Christians, they're going to heaven, but they have no idea why they're on earth. That's a problem. I wholeheartedly believe there are two great days in everybody's life, the day that you're born and the day you discover why you were born. But for 87% of Christians, they never get to that second day. We've got to change that. And two weeks from today, we're going to talk about your purpose and help you find out what that is. Then the last promise, most people never, never touch this one. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Notice all of them were individual, you, individual, you, individual, you. Then he says, my people, I want to make you a group. I want to put you in a church. I want to put you on a team, a people. The last thing God wants to do, it's, it's where you're connected strategically with others, making a difference in someone else's life. He wants you to have this fulfilled life. And by the way, you've never lived until you've done something with a group of people that makes an internal difference. I believe that. In fact, um, sociologists, non-Christian sociologists agree with this in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The greatest, uh, highest level of living is when you're making a difference on this planet. The verse concludes, then, and it's only then, you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Let me say it this way. It's only then that you know what Christianity is really about. One of my frustrations as a pastor is there are a lot of people who think they're rejecting Christianity. They're not rejecting Christianity. They're rejecting what they think Christianity is and, and, and they've got all the wrong ideas about Christianity. That's not what it is. And they think they're rejecting this thing, but that's not what they're rejecting. This is what it's all about. God wants four things. He wants to save you. That's what he wants. He, Jesus Christ came to the world to save Sinners, 1 Timothy 1.15. He wants to save you. The Christian word for that is salvation. He wants to get you out from the yoke of bondage. So salvation is not joining a church. That's what we've turned it into. But salvation is just saying, I'm no longer under the yoke of this bondage that I used to be under. After you're saved, he wants you to experience levels of freedom, get all the junk out of your life. Then he wants to put you back to your original intent. The word for that is restoration. This is why you were made. Let's get you back to your purpose. And finally, he wants you to live this incredible life of fulfillment. That's the journey God wants to take you on. So here's what we're doing as a church. We're focusing our programming around the promises. So everything we're gonna be doing here is gonna be pointing you to help you take your next step in faith so that you can, you can establish and attain the more you were made for. Let's talk about the first one together today. Look at verse six again. It says, I will bring you out from under the yoke. So before we do anything else, God says, I've got to free you from the yoke. I've got to free you from the bondage. I've got to free you from the slavery. Now this week I went back to the original story, the Moses story, the Exodus story, because this is where the promises come from. And as you may remember, the Israelites went to Egypt initially because there was severe famine in the land. And the Pharaoh at that time was incredibly gracious to them. He gave them food, he gave them land, he gave them homes. And the Israelites and the Egyptians lived in perfect harmony together. 
But a problem happened in that the Israelites started to multiply in number and the new Pharaoh was very intimidated by them. He said, they're gonna overtake us. And so he enslaved the Israelites to the Egyptians. He says, you're gonna make bricks for us. And so he enslaved them. And as I looked at the bondage that this evil Pharaoh enslaved them with, here's what I discovered. Check this out. Is that the same demon spirit that was on the Pharaoh to treat the Israelites that way still exists today. It's still in America today. Like the bondage hasn't changed. There were three decrees that Pharaoh made and the parallel between then and now is remarkable. I want you to see this. The first one is that he forced them as slaves to make bricks. He forced them as slaves to make bricks. So I looked up the word slavery or slave in Webster's dictionary and it doesn't just mean you're slave to a person. I think that's the definition we automatically assume that it means. That's not only what it means. You know what the dictionary says? It says that slavery is any time you're submitted to a dominating influence. So there's an influence in your life that is dominating. It doesn't have to be someone. It could be something. It could be a bitterness or uh, resentment or you could be a slave to spending or a slave to an addiction like alcohol or drugs. You're just a slave to that. Slavery is when something or someone tells you how to live your life and you don't even necessarily like it. It's, it's not even something you asked for, but you're almost required to live that way even if you don't wanna live that way. Here's how people tell it to me as a pastor. They say, I feel stuck. I feel trapped in the life that I'm living. Like I don't wanna live this way, but I just keep doing these things I don't even wanna do. Here's uh, how I like to say it, you feel enslaved. You feel enslaved. Watch this first. This is Jesus in uh, John 8, verses 34 and 35. This is the message translation. I just love how it's written. Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is, keyword here, trapped in a dead-end life and is in fact a slave. A slave is a transient who wants to come and go places, but he can't come and go at will. He's, he's stuck. This thing, whatever it is, is telling you how to live your life. And if this resonates with anybody in the room this morning or anybody watching on television, you're a candidate for the first promise of God. Now, you may have thought salvation was for people who wanted to go to church more or read the Bible more. No, no, no. It's people who have this yoke of bondage over their lives. They said, I, I don't want to be under that yoke anymore. This sense of slavery. Here's a second thing that happened uh, in the story because Pharaoh was afraid of the explosive growth of the Israelites, he issued a decree that all baby boys be murdered. All baby boys be murdered. And by the way, this isn't just biblical history. You can find this in other historical documentation. This absolutely happened, that Pharaoh was so intimidated by the Israelites, he said all of the baby boys must be thrown into the Nile River. And what he was trying to do in essence was destroy the upcoming potential that was in them. In fact, let me say it this way, and I am not trying to make a political statement here, but for generations, and it's happening today, the devil has tried to kill babies, and I think he's trying to kill the potential that's in them. And some of you can resonate with that, and you say, you know what, I feel like there's some potential in me that has been killed, that has been stopped. I know God has more for me. I'll say it this way, you feel empty. You feel empty, like I know that I'm supposed to be doing this, and, and somehow the potential has stopped within me. You don't know what your life is about. You're just going through the motions. You have no purpose. Here's the third thing. I'm just giving you the original story, showing you how it relates to us today. The third thing Pharaoh did is he required them to collect their own straw. He required them to collect their own straw. So he forced the Israelites to work 12-hour days, sun up to sundown, making these bricks. But then somewhere along the way goes, wait, 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 wait. You remember how we collected the straw and put them by the mud pits for you and you made the bricks? 
you can get your own straw now. So I still need you to make the same amount of bricks that you were making, so you can't cut back on the bricks, but I want you to go collect your own straw, so you're gonna have to get up even earlier, go get your straw, and then produce the same amount you've been producing. He was exhausting them, adding more hours to the day, and I'm convinced that's how the devil operates today. I think he's trying to wear you out. I think he's trying to get you so busy that you make poor decisions. I know I do. When I'm, when I'm tired and I'm worn out, I make poor decisions. You feel exhausted. You feel exhausted. Here's how I know it's a spiritual issue and not just a time issue. It's because uh, I think burnout comes not from doing too much, but from doing too much that doesn't matter. Anybody ever take a vacation and you get home and you feel like you need to take another vacation? You know what I'm talking about? Because rest is not inactivity. Rest is a condition of your soul. Here's the deal. If you feel enslaved, empty, or exhausted today, the first promise is for you. You can get rid of all of that. What does God want to do? He just wants you to get out of there. I want to save you. I don't want you to feel enslaved. I don't want you to feel empty. I certainly don't want you to feel exhausted. I want you to come to me. You who's weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. You say, Pastor Reed, what does this have anything to do with Easter? It has everything to do with Easter and the resurrection of Jesus. Let me show you in a few verses. Romans 8, 11. Again, this is the message translation. I just love how this is written. It stands to reason, doesn't it? That if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life. Let me time out right there. Make sure you understand the Bible saying whatever power it took to get Jesus out of the grave, whatever energy and power it took to get Jesus, that same power is in you. It's in me. So that's pretty incredible. In, in, in um, Ephesians 2, it says that you and I were dead in our transgressions and sins. But then a few verses later, but God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ. So we were dead and we're made alive. The same spirit that was in Christ that got him out of the grave can get you out of the grave as well. And when it does, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. That's how the verse concludes. What are we celebrating today? That someone who was dead came alive and that's what can happen to you. I don't want you to come here and, and to celebrate Easter. I want, you to, I want you to have your own Easter. Come on, somebody. I worked on that line all week. I want you to have your own Easter. I want you to, I, I had a, a moment where I resurrected. I was dead and now I'm alive in Christ. I was, a, I was old, I was dead, I was gone. I'm a new creation today. Amen? All right, make sure y'all with me. Uh, it goes on to say, when God lives and breathes in you, you were delivered from that dead life. The life of being enslaved and empty and exhausted with his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. One more verse. This is 1 Peter 1. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. Amen. And the future starts now. So here's the offer. It's the first promise. Going back to our original text in Exodus, God's saying, I want to bring you out. That's it. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to be more religious. I'm not asking you to read your Bible more. I'm not asking you to pray more. I'm not asking, I'm, I, want, I want to bring you out. If you feel enslaved, if you feel exhausted, if you feel empty, listen, you may like that. You just keep living that way. But my guess is you don't. I, I don't, I counsel people in my office. I don't counsel people who say, I just, I really like being enslaved. I love being addicted. I've never met that person. They, I want to be free. I want to get from out from under the yoke of bondage. Now you say, Pastor Reed, you're supposed to say that. You're the preacher. 
So let me allow someone else, a dear friend of mine and someone who's on our team here at the church, Nancy Burleson, experience uh, that kind of freedom and resurrection. Let's hear her story. I think I found Jesus where most people find him. I found him in a hole, in a hole that um, I had helped make, um, but I was not the only hand in it. Um, And I would say that he met me there, but he doesn't meet you there. He sits with you there and he waits for you to to come to him. In that moment, I had a peace about me. A weight was lifted. My, any chain that I was carrying was entirely gone. I think I got to a place where I was just tired. I was tired of doing it all on my own. Um, I was tired of being tired. (laughs) I was I had a quiet moment and I kind of just looked around and thought, you know better. You know that this is not where you have to be. You don't have to be here by yourself. You don't have to be in this place of constant worry and stress. And with hope and with faith, um, that I didn't want to do it by myself anymore. sometimes you have to go through the bad. Um, It's really easy to praise God on the mountaintops, but where you really find Him and He really plants Himself in you is in the valley. And your valley is no different than anyone else's valleys. We all have them. We can all come through them. And once you reach that breakthrough, the valley is dark, it is cold, it is lonely. But man, when you when you hit that breakthrough and you hit that sunshine and you feel God and you you see Him and you know Him and Jesus is with you, you do have a sense of peace. Um, it's warm. It's light. You smile. It's somewhere once when you get there, you don't want to be anywhere else. Um, to have that forgiveness, the self forgiveness, but He wants you to come to Him. And he wants you to run to Him. He wants you to lean on Him for those things and pray through those things and and work through those things because He wants you to have that joy. Awesome. I want to close the message with two questions. The first question is, how did did we even get here in the first place? How did we get here? I think there's a disappointment associated with the fact that we're in bondage. I don't think we like admitting that. It's kind of embarrassing and shameful to say that I got to this place. I'm living a life I'm not intended to live. And I'm gonna ease the pain a little bit just saying that we all end up there, every one of us. You think about it, we don't intentionally get into that enslavement. We don't, we don't these Israelites didn't say, I wanna be a slave. They didn't sign up for that, nor did we. We just kind of end up there, we just, never connect with God or at some point in our past have disconnected from God. We wake up and there we are. For some of us, we end up in deep bondage because of something that happened in a negative way in the church or with a Christian. And some of you are here today and that's you. And let me just say on behalf of Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. If a church or a Christian has hurt you, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, and, and that's, that's made you resistant towards God. And you say, you know what? I don't even want to be in church. If it wasn't for my mother-in-law, I wouldn't be here. Whatever that is. Um, thank you for being here. But listen, that's, that's not what God wants for you either. 
And for some of us, it's just compounding bad mistakes. It's not that you really intended to get there. You made a choice that really in and of itself wasn't that bad, but you kept doing it and kept doing it. And now those compounded and now you've got a real issue and you are enslaved to something that really wasn't an issue in the beginning. I think the better question we should be asking this morning is how do we get out? So if God's first promise is to get you out of there, like what's my role to play? The reason why I like saying this is because I don't think most people have the right idea about what salvation actually is. I think in the South especially, we think it's associated with church attendance and our relationship to a church. That's not salvation. That's a good thing. It's just not salvation. In my mind and according to the scriptures, there are three things you can do to experience the first promise of God. If, if any of this resonates with you this morning. The first is this. If God wants you out, he does, you've got to make the move. You gotta make the move with him. So there are actual physical internal steps you need to take. And I know this because the biblical word for this process is repent. And repent is a word that freaks a lot of us out. But all that literally means is I'm just changing direction. Like I was going this way and I'm gonna repent and I'm gonna go, in diff- I'm gonna go a different direction. I'm gonna go with, with Jesus this time. For some of you, it's time to take that step internally. We created this whole worship experience at Easter, hoping dozens of you would leave Egypt, would leave a life of enslavement, and you'd say, you know what? I wanna live the life that God intended for me to live. In fact, let me say it this way. That's what Easter is all about. That's why we're here. God came to close the gap between the life that you're living to the life he intended for you to live. And it's your job to take the first step. Here's how the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you and I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters. I wanna be in a relationship with you. Here's the second thing you need to know about the process and that there's always something you're likely gonna have to let go of. I've just been doing ministry a long time and <laughs> I've just realized that there are a lot of people who love Jesus. I want Jesus, but there's this other thing I wanna hang on to uh, that, that is gonna cause you destructiveness, destructive behaviors in your life, and, but I wanna hang on to it. And there might be some things you need to let go of. I'm gonna have to let it go. And the Christian word for that is the word surrender. In fact, if I was going to uh, summarize salvation with one word, it'd be this word, Surrender. Look at me, look in my eyes. Egypt's not that good. It's really not that great. Let it go, let it go. There's just some things that you're gonna have to let go of. It's just, it's not worth it. Mark 8 says it this way, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. There are other passages in Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, like you're my Lord. I'm gonna let you lead. That's what a Lord does. He leads me. If I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God, you raised Jesus from the dead, I'll be saved. That's what the Bible says, but I have to let him lead. And it's the day you decide you're not in the driver's seat, he is. Don't run from suffering, it says, embrace it, follow me, and I'll show you. Self-help, the verse concludes, is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to saving yourself. Let him lead, let it go. And here's the last one. It's not enough for you to just come out of slavery, but you have to commit your life to something else. You have to commit your life to a better life. 
So you've had allegiances to Egypt and to these things that enslaved you, and now you have to commit your life and give allegiances to something else or to someone else. Let me show you that verse out of Romans 6, 19. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. What I love about this verse is we started this whole discussion talking about how there's a forced slavery. Like it was a slavery you were forced into, you didn't sign up for it, you just kind of got there. And this is a slavery I'm signing up for. Like I chose to be a slave. I love telling people that. I chose to be a slave. I chose to give my life to the one who gave his life for me. There was nobody else on this planet that was offering that, so I'm all in. I want to give my life to him. And that's the slavery you're signing up for. I want to be a slave to righteousness leading to holiness. That's salvation. It's the word relationship. Relationship. Before we pray, I just want you to think about that word because people think it's all about religion. Jesus not, did not come to set you free for religion, to offer you religion. He came to give you a relationship, a personal relationship with himself. And I want to invite you to take that journey with him and with us. Would you do me a favor and grab that survey one more time? If you have that survey, just grab that one more time. Uh, every church member, every staff member, everybody grab this. I want you to grab the paper. We're gonna spend just a few moments. There's one more question that you didn't answer. You didn't even know it was a question. But it's really the reason you have that in your hand. Just for the next few minutes, I want you to be very still and be very quiet. There are gonna be decisions happening all over this room and perhaps on TV as well. So there are these A, B, C, D boxes that are listed there at the bottom. That's the final survey. Let me say it this way. You are one of the four. You're one of the four. And I want you to check the one that you are. And let me show you what they are on the screen, what they represent. The A stands for Pastor Reed. I'm already in a relationship with Jesus. Like I gave my heart to him. I have a relationship with him. We're good. He's already freed me from all that. I'm no longer enslaved. I'm no longer under the heaviness. I'm no longer under the yoke. I have a relationship and it's very real to me. That would be A. B says, I need what you just talked about. I'm ready to begin a relationship, a real relationship with Jesus today. I need a real relationship with God and I'm ready for that. Listen, listen, I can't think of a better day to start to begin that relationship with Jesus than on Easter Sunday. Come on, somebody. That's what this holiday is all about. C says, I would like to consider a bit more first. I'm not ready yet. I'm not, I, I'm, I just want to think about it some more. And that's completely cool. I've always dreamed about creating a church environment where people who are not Christians could come and they wouldn't feel forced to participate or give or serve. They could just come and check it out. That's what I would love. At our, at our ministry in Austin, we had four that I was aware of, atheists, that were coming to church. It's pretty awesome, right? And they're coming to checking it out because they knew we weren't gonna force anything down their throats. We're gonna say, you gotta believe in Jesus. I just want you, listen, you'll be dead a lot longer than you'll be alive. So it's a pretty important question is what happens after we die? Is God real? Did Jesus really die on the cross? Is there any truth to that? Can he have a real relationship with me or is this a bunch of hocus pocus? It's a great question. And so I would love to create an environment where you could come and not feel threatened and feel welcomed and your doubts and fears are welcome here. I just want you to come here. So if that's you, say, yeah, I'm, I'm considering it. I'm just not there yet. And it's okay, check the box. And the D stands for I don't ever intend on making this decision. 
And this one always kind of freaks me out a little bit, but if that's you, have the guts to check the box. And here's what we're gonna do, and you probably don't want me to do this, but we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray for you. Because I believe even if you're a D, I believe that God Almighty could make you a B someday. I just believe that. So I want you to take 15 to 20 seconds and I want you to choose one of those, whichever one is applicable to you. And when you're done with the survey, I want you to bow your head in prayer and that will let me know that you're finished. I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for those who just checked B. I'm not gonna make you stand up. I'm not gonna call you and make you come down to the front. I just wanna lead you in a prayer right there from your seat. And if you're watching on television, uh, I'd love for you to be in this as well. So if you would have selected B, I wanna begin that relationship with Jesus today. We celebrate with that with you as well. And I wanna pray for you too. Father, I pray for every person in this room. They're on a spiritual journey. And there are so many in this room who've just discovered that they've never received your first promise because they're living this life of slavery and emptiness and exhaustion and they're in bondage. And God, I pray dozens and dozens of people here in the building and watching on TV will take this step of faith to get out of there and be free. And let me just say now, if you've checked B, I want you to pray this with me in your heart. You can pray this out loud. You can pray this with a whisper. I just mean it is really the key thing. Just say, Jesus, I'm ready to get out. I'm ready to follow you. So today I commit my life to you. Be my Lord. Tell him, be my Lord. Take control of my life. Forgive me for going my own way. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for coming out of the grave. And thank you for giving me the power to do the same someday. Today, I surrender everything I am to you. And Lord, I'm so thankful for the life change that is happening in this moment, in this room. Let these amazing people never be the same again. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Can we just give everybody a hand clap that just made that decision? Come on, come on. Well, you can do better than that. These people just, just changed their eternal destinations and said, I wanna begin that today. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing.